Welcome to the Bible Breakdown. It's a black man and woman in America who no longer identify as believers. This show contains adult languages, themes, and isn't meant for children. As black people, we respect the history of the black church in America, but its current state is massively abusive and we think the Bible might be part of the problem. Listen and let us know what you think. Peace. Okay, welcome back to the Bible Breakdown. I'm Kat. And I'm T. Yeah, T, you had asked me how I'm doing and what's new. Um, You know, life is change. We're all shaped by change and we shape change. So I've been working out of the same place for about a year now. They're raising the rent next month, so I'm thinking I need to maybe spread my wings a little. And business, you know, owning your own business is just constantly solving problems. So, yeah. Well, I'm also about to residentially move. Yeah. Um, my housemate is currently out of the country. They are with their partner who they met while they were out of the country before. They are now getting married, if I haven't mentioned that on any of the episodes before. So, I'm getting the boot, so to speak. <laughs> um, but, Not really, but, but yeah, they're I mean, going to be it's, newlyweds. It's a, it's a you don't want to be yeah. in the mix. Yeah, yeah, they haven't gotten married yet, but when they came back, they had asked me kindly, like, you know, if I would find somewhere else to leave, live. Um, and I was like, not necessarily opposed to it because I just think it is time for me to also spread my wings. And been back in Indy, um, for two years now. Wow. It's, um, yeah. And I did not expect to be here that long. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I've been back in Indy for a year and a half. Ooh, scared me. Um, but it will be two years by the time I move to this other place and my lease will be up from this other place that I'm about to move to. So, but I'm looking forward to that. I think I need my own space. Um, and so I've been going through a lot of deconstructing of, just me, my identity, um, how I come off to others, recognizing um, traumatic behaviors and or patterns that were passed down to me from family. And I'm deconstructing those um, currently at odds with my mother. Um, and I don't know if that relationship is going to be mended. And I have to be honest with you, I'm not sure if I am. Uh, I mean, I care. I'm not gonna say I don't care. Um, I'm just not, not fighting for it, um, because some people, you know, you can. It's like filling a void. You're all you're constantly trying to fill a void of trying to make them happy or please them, and, and no matter what you do, you can't make people do that. So. Um, and I recognize that that has been a pattern also in my romantic relationships. And so I'm just trying to not continuously do that because it's not healthy and, um, it's exhausting to, you know, we all make mistakes. Um, I think that we should be more forgiving and understanding, which what's the word, uh, coincidentally or ironically one or the other, um, me having the type of parents that I have actually made me way more forgiving and understanding of people. And so it's weird to me in a way when I go out into the world and I, and realize that, Oh, I'm actually way more considered forgiving and understanding of people than they will ever be of me. And so, um, just something I'm just been unpacking in therapy, which has been nice. I actually had therapy before this. Well, that's great. Congratulations. Um, I feel like people often find themselves on the treadmill of approval seeking and make their lives about that. So good for you for noticing those patterns and trying to break them. And I think it's hard because people um, do feel like, well, you're obligated to constantly please your parents or that's like your main function in life. But it's like, no, no, it's not. And as someone who, I'm not as close to my mom as I'd like to be, but she's like, I, the reason we have a relationship is because I'm not idealizing it, like where it has to be like this, like the relationship we have is the closest one that we can have 
being the people that we are. Yeah, I think in mine, I think in both my parental and romantic relationships, people have recognized that, I don't want to say take advantage of me, but they definitely see like, oh, this motherfucker will kind of go through everything and I can kind of do whatever, either consciously or subconsciously, and he'll still try to work it out with me. And I'm just not for that energy anymore. Um, But I'm also moving into a space of understanding where I have hurt people and trying to make amends and I'll atone for that. Um, A previous relationship that I was in, um, I said and did some things that I wasn't, that I'm not proud of. And I've apologized to this person plenty of times before, but, you know, something happened between me and my mom. Uh, this past weekend and it just made me really talk to this person and be like yo you know all that shit that I said um, that wasn't cool like I, I'm sorry that I did that and I think we get into a at least for me into the kind of this toxic type of uh, expression where we feel like we can say whatever we can want to our loved ones and just think like, oh, they're going to stay, you know, or they're, or I can apologize later. And whereas you can do that, and I've certainly said things that can never be redeemable. Um, one, I've had to own those. Two, you know, I apologize. But three, also just letting the people that I've hurt know that uh, I'm not, yeah, I, I shouldn't have said that shit. That wasn't cool. And uh, I'm not even going to defend myself. I think in the past I've been so trying to defend myself or trying to justify my actions or, you know, I I try to be a rational dude, but, uh, now it's just like, I've learned through just conversations with you and other people that, uh, I don't need to justify anything. Like, I mean, if we, if we're in a situation where we can have that conversation, great. But in reality, I made you feel however you felt. And regardless of my intention, all I can say is, you know, what? I'm sorry that I'm, I made you feel like that. And that wasn't my intention. And I'm going to be better in the future. Um, my whole goal going forward is to, on the surface, we talked about this, have a, a positive Ted Lasso type energy to me where I'm just supportive and, you know, like that. And now I want to carry that over to the podcast, too. That's what's up. I want this to be an enjoyable and not agonizing experience. <laughs> Which is why, um, you know, to our listeners, uh, if 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 I haven't put my best foot forward, I want to apologize to y'all. Uh, I want to apologize to my co-hosts. Um, it's not been personal, and I enjoy doing this. And th- I actually have found a more, I think, a more enjoyment out of religion slash Christianity slash the Bible. Um, I still disagree with a lot of the things. But for me, the videos that I've been sending cat off air with through this YouTube channel called Wisecrack, uh, they seem to be able to articulate a lot of the things that I felt, but I just never had the words to. And it puts me in a happy medium um, as far as like we should be able to dissect this while still recognizing that God may or may not be a possibility. Um but we also don't need to like necessarily let that be our end all be all that there is this ruler, you know, you still have to go out and do the work. Yeah. And so many people, I'm sorry. The last thing I was just going to say is just, I just feel like so many people stop at biblical or God or Christianity and they don't feel like they have to be better than that. So that's all. Yeah. It was a really interesting video. I love that channel. Wisecrack. It's a modern philosophy channel and they review a lot of media and put it through the lens of uh classical and modern um philosophical theory and a lot of it is stuff that um you know since i've gone to you know um christian schools all my life so a lot of different sort of theology and dogma are fascinating to me and reviewing the source material once again it all makes sense to me because 
I don't view uh, I, I I'm very critical of modern Christianity and um, biblical scholarship. Um, I was thinking about today how obvious it is that um, Europeans just appropriated, you know, this sort of Middle Eastern uh, Jewish religion, which is why so much of Europe has been anti-Semitic, which is a fancy word for anti-Jewish, because they ripped their stuff off and they want to cut people off from the trail. Because you look at all of modern art and it's Europeans in these biblical situations where they would not that's not how it went down so um just for people who like you said they don't necessarily want to seek anything after the religion or theology they've been handed at birth um to me I was like there's literally thousands of religions how would I know if I've chosen the right one unless I really look and then when you start looking you're like oh all the religions are wrong it's just some stuff people have made up doing the best they can but people are fallible so um, when you get stuck in these structures that are like no I found the way 2,000 years ago and it's not changing it's like eh, kind of needs to change because once again when we're learning that lots of violence and human trafficking and rape are super cool because the men who wrote this or who came up with this thousands of years ago were perfectly fine with those concepts. And it's everywhere. Yeah. Like I recently just started going on this journey of self, you know, I mean, many of the things I was just talking about, but also just being comfortable with potentially being single and understanding I need to, at this time, the time during the time I am single, need to work through my stuff and get myself prepared to, eventually be a good partner a good parent and not repeat some of the side but anyway in all of that i started reading this book called the way of the superior man by david data and uh <laughs> you know he drops little things in there about god and he doesn't specifically say christianity but i can definitely tell that this book is geared more towards like that view of god um and I don't know, like, I want to like this book. I think there are valuable things in it. And it's particularly about like how a man, sh quote unquote, should be in particularly relation to his woman. And we already know on here for those listeners who's been following us for a while. But if we gained any new ones, I don't really agree in totality with gender roles but this book really does a lot to reinforce the typical stereotypes of masculinity and fem femininity and i don't know if i'm cool with that like i i mean as a cisgender male i do just naturally think there are a lot of things that i'm just comfortable doing um but i also think there's shit that i'm not and i think a lot of it's rooted in our <laughs> our religious experiences and continuously being reinforced i totally you know as much as i can understand why you find this topic fascinating and infuriating um as being you know i think you're a cisgender woman yeah but, I'm a chick. Um, and i'm a woman of color which is why you know to me this is chick is a derogatory term i mean if you if you consider it's context um i think i'm okay with it <laughs> as long as you're you well, know some people some people don't like it some I just, people don't like it I'm yes like... i'm a cisgendered woman so how i identify I got... color and i feel like this has historically just been the bible quran torah whatever you want to call these collection of books they've been used to they've been weaponized against people like me but at the same time if you reject it you are like doubly penalized i got flack for calling um two women that i met while i was in la females oh yeah it is yeah it is a little that is a little derogatory to me it's all context if you're not meaning it to be insulting i'm really not insulted by it but female i didn't i didn't. yeah like but um, yeah female isn't the greatest like you should just say woman like female could be, you know, there's female ants, but, there's well, female raccoons. I got, but I got some push, but I got pushback. Okay, I could see that. I could see where you're coming at from that. 
and that makes sense now that that's been elaborated. They didn't specifically verbalize it that like that, but also no, they weren't thinking like that. Um, or at least I'm pretty much assuming. But I say that because I was using female to describe um, cisgender women. And the topic we were specifically talking about, like I was catering towards cisgender women. So from my understanding, if we have any, you know, trans fan or trans listeners or anything out there, from my understanding as a trans person, you can be a woman, but you aren't technically a female. So I could be wrong, but that's how it's been described to me. Now we can get into a whole argument about like what is actually female and all that. That's totally cool. I'm open for that. But scientifically how it's been explained and through my research, like that is how it is. Like you can still be a woman because woman is identity, but female is like your biological actual sexual orientation. Yeah. Yeah. It was some people don't fall comfortably into either binary. So there's like that too. So um I think because um, I got into like a debate with my family about that because people are, you know, like, well, what do you put on the birth certificate? It's like, we could just not put that information on people's birth certificates. Like, that's really only important information if you're like to, to know how people are going to sexually reproduce. That's technically medical information. You don't really need that. I also think like race should be taken off of it since it's such an imprecise concept. Like a lot of it is to keep people into these like groups like we could have identity like have state identity without having to be like my color and genitals are this it's like nah don't even worry about that i'm a citizen everybody relax but that's like way in the future people like people don't like change that's pretty much why the bible is going strong it's the first book to be widely published and people want to you know stay with number one I mean, is it going? I, you know what? Before I jump on that, I just wanted to say, uh, actually, no, let me say this before I give my shout out. But um, is it going strong? Because I, I feel like I'm torn because, yeah, I definitely recognize this out there. People drop God in any conversation at any point, even on the Internet. Um, Especially where even we in live. conversations. Yeah, even in conversations that I feel like it was unnecessary, quote unquote. But um, then I see stuff like the Wisecrack videos, and I'm really starting to think more people are pulling away from. And I've read Those other are articles on the and coast. stuff. We're in Middle America; the coast gets everything quicker. I mean, fair, but it just makes me think: like, <laughs> are the, are the days of of the Bible numbered. Well, Arga- and there are hardcore people out ignorant. there fighting for this. A lot of it, their power relies on keeping people ignorant. I don't know if you've like read the story about how like in India, they're changing the curriculum. Like they're taking the periodic table out and evolution. Oh, like, yeah, it's a lot easier to um, maintain control when people aren't informed. So now that there's so much information readily available. I think it does chip away at the authoritative sort of just we say so nature of it all. Uh, especially if I had had the internet when I was younger and I had questions. Because mostly, like, I just learned early, like, don't ask questions. Like, or at least not those type of questions. You ask the questions that there are easy answers to. But the stuff where you're like, wait, why are we all the way to Judges 19 and there's no mention of hell yet since those are pretty big stakes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, switching gears just a bit, unless you have anything Mm-mm. else to say on that. Um, yeah, by the time this come out, we'll probably be way past this. But shout out to I went to my first Pride Fest oh, over yeah. the weekend. Um, it was it was great. It was it was a sense of I had such a range of emotions on Saturday because I had the dispute with my mother. Um, I went to go hang out with an ex-girlfriend of mine who has children and I'm involved in their lives. And like, that's great. I think it. I think I've used her kids to kind of practice becoming a father. So um, for good or bad. Um, but it's really it's really softened me and made me more under like even more understanding and more patient. Um, and then I went to Pride, which again my first Pride, and uh, it's great. It was just great to see all people of all sh- shapes and sizes and 
colors and um dressing you know different ways it was <laughs> it was a guy you there didn't feel like people were too free no i feel like Do you i think feel that's like people were happy I was I was doing another podcast this week and uh, we were discussing. Thank you for letting me borrow your copy of Pleasure Principle. I finished it, um, and we discussed it. And um, that was pleasure activism. I was. I'm sorry, thank you. Is Pleasure Principle isn't that another book? No, that's the Janet Jackson song. Pleasure Principle. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, yes, thank you for the correction. Pleasure activism, and um, one of the. Um, participants kind of said that phrase where like she felt like the author of the book was too free and I was like huh Hmm. what is too free I think if I could interject too free to me is just people not being comfortable with other people quote unquote being happy or doing whatever they want to do because somewhere inside of that person who's opposed they don't feel comfortable doing those things um i think it's a lot of that uh, i don't i mean i've said on here plenty of times i'm not a proponent of demonizing sex i am for polyamorous relationships um and i think in a lot of people's eyes that could be too free um but i just when I went to pride, like everybody was happy. Like from what I've seen, everybody was happy. You know, people were having a good time. I feel like people I who mean, are free don't mind the freedom of other people. I always think about like yeah. in Django, Samuel Jackson's character, how much he hated Django. Cause it's like look yeah. at this free nigga right here. Like, you know, like you think you're better than me. And it's like, no, I think we're all better than this. <laughs> Like I would, you know, I encourage people to, you know, be free. I think it's beautiful. Well, some people like those restraints. I think. It makes and them I think, feel safe. But guess what? Like, there's a because well, that's freedom, where the old Bible comes in. Where's what? That's where the old Bible comes oh, in. It makes us feel safe. Like, I guess, like to me, like just at face value, it doesn't make me feel safe at all. As a matter of fact, it's now it doesn't yeah now it doesn't but like my parents made me feel safe and my parents were promoting the bible but once again i don't think my parents were they just liked the wholesomeness that is branded within church culture where it's like hey you know let's you know that's their brand but just like coca-cola it's like oh we're the choice of a new generation it's like no they're the choice if you want to have diabetes like in real life like if you make this a part of your everyday life you're gonna have health consequences and it's funny because i feel like the religious people that i do like they're not super religious like it feels like the more people get into this the less easy they are to deal with Hmm. (coughs) keep coughing um yeah i Again, I think people want to feel safe. You know what it is? I think people like the, and I recognize this in my own just romantic pattern or observing other people's romantic. We often just, we don't really like the person or the thing. We just like what we think they represent. Yeah. You know, project a lot. Yeah. and, And so I think it's going to take a lot of deconstructing because you know, when something bad happens in the world, people are like, well, this is happening because we're turning from God or people are too free or yeah. people XYZ, being all gay. I don't, so I had an earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> or like, you're going to be, you know, I remember hearing a lot, like as a, as a, a boy, as a male, like, you, Oh, you're going to be gay. If you play with Barbies or you want to play house and you cooking and stuff like that or cleaning like that. And it's just ridiculous. Like these people just, I mean, I said this, I think last podcast or at least the one before, like people just be saying shit, but they don't really like ever break down. Well, why is it that I'm saying this? Why am I, why am I regurgitating this? Like they never actually thought like when, and then when you confront them about it, you ask them about it. They're just like, well, cause it says so right here in the Bible. And that's how we was raised. But like, that's not a good excuse, bro. Like that's like being at a job where people be like, well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, Okay. That doesn't mean that. Is it still serving that, you? 
like probably yeah, not. So. All right, well we're doing that thing because we've been talking for like uh, pretty much a half hour and have not read the Bible yet. So um, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, I'm going to give some of this. Do you want to say last time? Oh right, thank you. Um, so last time we're reading the New Revised Standard Version. Uh, last time in the Bible. We talked about, uh, oh, Samson and Delilah. That was one of my faves. Yeah. Um, didn't do it for me. Huh? It didn't do it for Story you, didn't. but for me, it just, you know, there was sex and hair and uh, the hero's journey. So to me, I always really liked it. Um, there was a guy who stole some money from his mom. And then the migration of Dan and the Danites. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, tribes. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of that going on. But, you know, without further ado, let's just get into Judges, I guess, 19, which is on me. Uh, we are reading the New Revised Standard Version, in case we did not express that before. Um, and this is the Levite's concubine. This sounds interesting. I love concubines. Um, I bet it's going to be violent. I wouldn't put it past you. Uh, in those days, when there was no king in Israel, a certain Levite residing in the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim took to himself a concubine from Bethlehem in Judah. But his concubine became angry with him, and she went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem in Judah. And was there some four months. Then her husband set out after her to speak tenderly to her and bring her back. He had with him his servant and a couple of donkeys. When he reached her father's house, the girl's father saw him and came with joy to meet him. His father-in-law, the girl's father, made him stay, and he remained with him three days. So they ate and drank, and he stayed there. On the fourth day, they got up early in the morning, and he prepared to go. But the girl's father said to him, said to his son-in-law, Fortify yourself with a bit of food, and after that you may go. So the two men sat and ate and drank together. And the girl's father said to the man, why not spend the night and enjoy yourself? When the man got up to go, his father-in-law kept urging him until he spent the night there again. On the fifth day, he got up early in the morning to leave, and the girl's father said, fortify yourself. So they lingered until the day declined, and the two of them ate and drank. When the man with his concubine and his servant got up to leave, his father-in-law, the girl's father, said to him, look, the day has worn on until it is almost evening. Spend the night. See, the day has drawn to a close. Spend the night here and enjoy yourself. Tomorrow you can get up early in the morning for your journey and go home. But the man would not spend the night. He got up and departed and arrived opposite Jebus or Jebus. This is Jerusalem. He had with him a couple of saddle donkeys and his concubine with, was with him. When they were near, I'm just say Jebus, the day was far spent. And the servant said to his master, Come now, let us turn aside to the city of the Jebusites and spend the night in it. But his master said to him, We will not turn aside into a city of foreigners who do not belong to the people of Israel, but we will continue on to Gibeah. Then he said to his servant, Come, let us try to reach one of these places and spend the night at Gibeah or at Ramah. So they passed out, so they passed on and went their way. And then the sun went down to them near Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin. They turned aside there to go in and spend the night at Gibeah. He went in and sat down in the open square of the city, but not one took them into the, but not one took them in to spend the night. Then an evening, there was an old man coming from his work in the field, the man from the hill country of Ephraim, and he was residing in Gibeah. The people of the place were, the people of the place were Benjaminites. When the old man looked up and saw the wayfarer in the open square of the city, he said, Where are you going, and where do you come from? He answered him, We are passing from Bethlehem in Judah to the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim, for which I have come. For which I come. I went to Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to my home. Nobody has offered to take me in. We, your servants, have straw and fodder for our donkeys with bread and wine for me and the woman and the young man along with us we need nothing more the old man said peace be to you i will care for all your wants only do not spend the night in the square so he brought him into his house and fed the donkeys they washed their feet and ate and drank gibeah's crime while they were enjoying themselves the men of the city a perverse lot surrounded the house and started pounding on the door they 
said to the old man, the master of the house, bring out the man who came into your house so that we may have intercourse with him. And the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, no, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Since the man is my guest, do not do this vile thing. Here are my virgin daughters and his concubine. Let me bring them out now. Ravish them and do whatever you want to them. But against the man, do not do such a vile thing. But the man would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and put her out to them. They want, wantonly raped her and abused her all through the night until the morning. As the dawn began to break, they let her go. As morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was until it was light. In the morning, her master got up, opened the doors of the house, and when he went out to go on his way, there was his concubine lying at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. Get up, he said to her. We are going. But there was no answer. Then he put her on the donkey, and the man set out for his home. When he had entered his house, he took a knife, and grasping his concubine, he cut her into twelve pieces, limb by limb, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. Then he commanded the men who sent, whom he sent, saying, Thus shall you say to all the Israelites, Has such a thing ever happened since the day that the Israelites came up from the land of Egypt until this day? Consider it. Take counsel and speak out. He's with God. Yeah, Man. that was violent. Man, well, you called it. Um, I don't know what the lesson is supposed to be here. Um, who was the good guy? <laughs> the old man. <laughs> the old man who, t- but even the old man was like, "Hey, you guys can rape my daughter." This is reminiscent of the Sodom and Gomorrah story, yes? Yeah, it, it sounded familiar, for sure. Yeah, like... Sounded like we kind of read this before. Yeah, because when Lot was like, yeah, hey, because the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were like, hey, we saw those guys come to your house, let us know them. And he was like, no, don't do that to a man. Here are some women you can do that to. And... Um, it just goes to show, raping women... Okay, raping men? No. No, no, yeah, don't do that to a man. Don't do such. Do not act so wicked. Don't take his manhood. Do not do this vile thing. Here, my virgin daughter and his concubine. Let me bring them out now. Ravish them and do whatever you want to them. But against this man, do not do such a vile thing. So yeah, um, I I hated this. I didn't. I did not like this story, especially when the girl was raped and murdered. Yeah, that's crazy, and um. It just reminded me of, like, I don't understand the appeal of being a rapist. I don't know, you know, I don't know much about that type of psychology. So maybe it's a condition. Maybe those who are abused choose to abuse all of that. Fine. Um, I just. I think when it comes don't to, get off on I think that. when it comes to gang rape because you see this in sexually like suppressive societies where it kind of like builds up and mm-hmm. I feel like because she you get the feeling she had maybe displeased him somehow well for one he had to come recover her because she had run off um she had become ang- his concubine became angry with him so you get the feeling like there might have been I mean, who knows what could have happened. But generally, when women run off, it's usually because things become a little abusive. So she went back to her father's house, and he goes to get her. And her dad did this weird sort of like, no, stay, stay, don't leave, stay, stay. Yeah. Which also makes me think, like, maybe he was a little scared for his daughter. Um, you hmm. know, since, you know, uh, this guy does seem to suck. Um he never we never got anybody's name for real he's just a levite and this was the levite's concubine so uh did chat gpt have anything to say about what the lesson was uh, i didn't ask specifically the lesson but i can ask what the lesson is okay um, let's see let's see that, that'll actually be interesting because i'm trying to say i don't really anything. remember even learning about this one in school they must have like really brushed past this one because there's really not a lot to take out of here unless you like rape and dismemberment What is the lesson of the following? And they use that thing at the end. Has such a thing ever happened since the day the Israelites came up from the land of Egypt? At every opportunity, I want to, like, bring up the fact that the Israelites, like, serving as slaves in Egypt is more than likely a myth. 
there's not a lot of evidence. I don't know anything about that. There's not a lot of like architectural evidence to back up this story. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. I've I've it's looked into it. I like bringing it up because people are always like, man, you know, the Hebrews working in Egypt. It's like, nah. I mean, there's probably a good deal amount of enslavement across different cultures, but like they just kind of built their mythology around it. Gotcha. Um, well, according to Chad GPT, the story of the Levites concubine highlights several lessons. Mm. Let's hear what they are. First, it portrays the moral decay and lawlessness that existed in Israel during a time where there was no king. Okay, so, you know, if you don't have king, you don't have order. All right. Um, the actions of the men of Gibeah who sought to command, who sought to commit a wicked act reflect the breakdown of societal norms and the disregard for the value of human life. Okay, yeah, I mean, I see that. Second, the story emphasizes the importance of hospitality and the duty to protect guests <laughs> when they're men. The old man who... Yes. <laughs> who offered refuge to the Levite and his companions demonstrated kindness and fulfilled the cultural expectation of providing shelter and safety to travelers. In contrast, the men of Gibeah violated this principle and engaged in heinous acts of violence. So I said kind of the old man. The uh, third, the story sheds light on the mistreatment and oppression of women. Obvious. Um, the concubine who was abandoned by her husband became a victim of brutal sexual assault and abuse. The tragic event underscores the need for justice and the protection of vulnerable individuals in society. Does not really dispel that in the text, but okay. Um, at least according to me, I feel like that's just kind of somebody rationalizing or yeah. interpreting. They also left out way. the part where the old dude offered up his daughter to the mob. And like well, you said, like done. that, the concubine done. was technically a guest too. So, like you said, the hospitality only extends to male guests. Well, we're not done. Let's see. Okay, sorry. Say. Finally, the Levites' extreme response to the tragedy, cutting the concubine's body into pieces and sending them throughout Israel, serves as a call for attention and action. It prompts the Israelites to reflect on the severity of the crime and to address the moral decay within their society. Um, weird to take that route but whatever this is bc i guess overall the story of the levites concubine serves as a cautionary tale highlighting the consequences of lawlessness the importance of hospitality the need for justice and the urgency to confront and address societal injustices now i feel like we could have taken all of that and i don't even know like i feel like that yes that is somewhat true but the bible doesn't actually say that like that's left no. for interpretation yeah, like you can yeah exactly strong agree and the idea that because there was no like ultimate authority figure no one could figure out you're not supposed to rape people and kill them um i i don't i don't take that lesson i think people kind of do know that um they can ignore it now if there's no consequences for sure but um let me give some pushback on that. I feel like they know. I think, in, okay, one, I'm riding with you because I think inherently the majority of humans have this thing in them where they know, like, when I'm hurting another human being, there's something inside of me that feels wrong. I think majority of people probably feel like that. Now, I will give some pushback on my second part because I am trying to be more curious and not judgmental these days. And I feel like we have to examine people from their time periods. So for instance, if you're a racist and your time period's an environment and you grew up in a racist environment, now it is up to you to continue to educate yourself. But I also am a very big believer of you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't know something is necessarily wrong and that's what you've grown up around, then you think that's acceptable and here we are. So I'm not justifying any of this behavior by any means. Please don't rape and kill women or anybody else by that matter. But I just find it interesting that, you know, we're we're observing this from a 2023 lens, which is not the real year of humans, but Christianity says so. To that you say. I mean, I think I think people knew back then it wasn't cool. Um the fact that, um, and the fact that it's kind of a mob mentality thing, like it was like a group of people, like 
the fact that, you know, stuff like that still happens now. You know, I think that was one of the reasons I got a lot of pushback, like when people were rioting after like the uh, George Floyd stuff. And I was like, eh, I don't like writing. I don't think it, I think it feels good in the moment, but ultimately it doesn't accomplish anything. And a lot of people use the chaos as a kind of cloak for sexual assault. Like that generally always happens in those situations. So, um, yeah, it's just like a prevalent constant. Um, and once again, did you, did you send me the story about the, um, school that ended up banning the bible because it's so violent uh i think you sent that to me okay that sounds about right um but yeah it's not a once again this isn't um to me a good example of morality but people like it so hey have at it i've never heard this story before this is yeah it's not a popular one it's very difficult to teach because it's like whoa but um, maybe this other one will, um, I don't know, it sounds like more violence, though, because it's got the word attack right in it. But Judges 20, the other tribes attack Benjamin. Then all the Israelites came out from Dan to Beersheba, including the land of Gilead, and the congregation assembled in one body before the Lord at Mizpah. The chiefs of all the people of all the tribes of Israel presented themselves in an assembly of the people of God, 400,000 foot soldiers bearing arms. Now the Benjamites heard that the people of Israel had gone up to Mizpah, and the Israelites said, Tell us, how did this criminal act come about? The Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered, I came to Gilbeah that belongs to Benjamin. I and my concubine to spend the night. The lords of Gilba rose up against me and surrounded the house. They intended to kill me and they raped my concubine until she died. Then I took my concubine and cut her into pieces and sent her throughout the whole extent of Israel's territory, for they have committed a vile outrage in Israel. So now you Israelites, all of you, give your advice and counsel here. All the people got up as one saying, we will not have any of us go to our tents nor will any of us return to our houses but now this is what we will do to Gibeah we will go up against it by lot we will take 10 men of a hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel and a hundred of a thousand and a thousand of ten thousand to bring provisions for the troops who are going to repay Gilba of Benjamin for all the disgrace that they have done in Israel so all the men of Israel gathered against the city united as one the tribes of Israel sent men throughout the tribe of Benjamin saying what crime is this that has been committed among you now then hand over those scoundrels and Gibeos that we may put them to death and purge the evil from Israel but the Benjamites will not listen to their kinfolks the Israelites the Benjamites came together in the towns of Gibeah to go out to battle against the Israelites. On that day, the Benjamites mustered 26,000 armed men from their towns besides the inhabitants of Gilbia. Of all this force, there were 700 plicked men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. And the Israelites, apart from Benjamin, mustered 400,000 armed men, all of them warriors. The Israelites proceeded to go up to Bethel, where they inquired of God, which of us shall go up first to battle against the Benjamites? And the Lord answered, Judah shall go up first. And the Israelites got up in the morning and encamped against Gilba. The Israelites went out against the battle against the against Benjamin. And the Israelites drew up the battle line against them at Gilbia. At Gilbia. The Benjamites came out against Gilbia and struck down on that day 20,000 of the Israelites. The Israelites went up and wept before the Lord until evening, and they inquired of the Lord, Shall we again draw near to battle against our kinfolk? The Benjamites and the Lord said, Go up against them. The Israelites took courage and again formed the battle line in the same place where they had formed it on the first day. So the Israelites advanced against the Benjamites the second day. Benjamin moved against out against them from Gilbeah the second day and struck down 18,000 of the Israelites, all of them armed men. Then all the Israelites, the whole army, went back to Bethel and wept, sitting there before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening. Then they offered burnt offerings and sacrifices of well-being before the Lord. And the Israelites inquired of the Lord, for the Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, ministered before it in those days, saying, Shall we go out once more to battle against our kinfolk, the Benjamites, or shall we desist? The Lord answered, Go up, for tomorrow I will give them into your hand. So Israel stationed men in ambush around Gilbeah. The Israelites went up against the Benjamites on the third day and set themselves in array against Gilba as before. When the Benjamites went out against the army, they were drawn away from the city as before they began to inflict casualties on the troops along the main roads, one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gilbia as well as in the open country, killing about 30 men of Israel. The Benjamites thought, 
they were being routed before us as previously. But the Israelites said, Let us retreat and draw them away from the city toward the roads. The main body of the Israelites drew back its battle line to Baal Tamar, while those Israelites who were in the ambush rushed out of their place west of Gelba. There came against Gelba 10,000 pigmen of all Israel, and the battle was fierce. But the Benjamites did not realize that disaster was close upon them. The Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel, and the Israelites destroyed 25,100 men of Benjamin that day, all of them armed. Then the Benjaminites saw that they were defeated. The Israelites gave ground to Benjamin because they trusted the troops in ambush that they had stationed against Gilba. The troops in ambush rushed quickly upon Gilba. Then they put the whole city to the sword. Now the agreement between the main body of Israel and the men in ambush was that when they sent up a cloud of smoke out of the city, the main body of Israel should turn in battle. But Benjamin had begun to inflict casualties on the Israelites, killing about 30 of them. So they thought, surely they are defeated before us as in the first battle. But when the cloud, a column of smoke began to rise out of the city, the Benjamites looked behind them and there was a whole city going up in smoke towards the sky. Then the main body of Israel turned and the Benjamites were dismayed, for they saw that the disaster was upon them. Therefore, they turned away from the Israelites in the direction of the wilderness, but the battle overtook them and those who came out of the city were slaughtered them in between. Cutting down the Benjamites, they pursued them from Noha and trod them down as far as the place east of Gilba. 18,000 Benjamites fell, all of them courageous fighters, when they turned and fled towards the wilderness to the rock of Remion. 5,000 of them were cut down on the main roads, and they were pursued as far as Gidim, and 2,000 of them were slain. So all who fell that day of Benjamin were 25,000 arms-bearing men, all of them courageous fighters, but 600 turned and fled towards the wilderness to the rock of Remon and remained at the rock of Ramon for four months. Meanwhile, the Israelites turned back against the Benjamites and put them to the sword, the city, the people, the animals, and all the remains. Also, the remaining towns they set on fire. What a time to be alive. So do you think that was an appropriate response? Because it sounds like... So it... No, you you go ahead. I was talking a while. Well, I was just going to make sure I'm clear interpreting the story correctly. So it sounds like um, old boy was pissed that, you know, they a certain Levi raped. Yeah, let's call him raped. Levi. <laughs> OK, <laughs> for the purposes of this Levi, although there is a Levi in the Bible, mm-hmm. um, he was pissed. He wanted to get some get back. He went and tried to, you know, be like, hey, I got to turn them dudes over. The Benjaminites was like, fuck that. And then Levi and his boys was basically like, all right, well, I guess we're going to kill y'all. And then, But we got to ask God first. Seemed, God said it was, the, or we got to ask the Lord. And the Lord <laughs> said, like, man, fuck be, him up. Seems to be what happened. Also, God, anytime you can intervene here. No, <laughs> he was just point. like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, what did he do? He's like, oh, he took your toy? Yeah, you can beat him up. Like, whatever, like, to me, you know what I think really happened? Like, if we're reading the subtext of the story, I think Levi killed her and is blaming the Benjamites as a pretext to go to war. I think that's, I think that's, yeah, I think that's why um, the uh, Levi's concubine or his father-in-law, I don't know why he couldn't just, like, why she's a concubine instead of his wife because he's a husband but she's a concubine whatever so your wife is your concubine huh i said your wife is apparently your concubine well no usually a concubine is a lower wife you know what i mean like a wife is a higher status than a concubine so she so she's like a mistress or a sachi it's like an official mistress where it's like, I will claim your kids, but they'll never, like, inherit everything. I always confuse a concubine with a, um... But concubines can be raised to wife status if they please their husbands enough. What is the what is the fucking woman thing that is like a devil and kills men and has sex with them or seduces oh, them? um, a succubus. Yeah, I always confuse succubus with concubine. I don't know why. I just do. <laughs> Both a little sexual. But, um, yeah, I think uh, that's why the father-in-law was so hesitant to want them to leave because he knew, like, this dude's going to kill her. Because, once again, all of these abuse cycles, they've existed for a long time. It's just human psychology. 
and I think yeah I think he more than likely is in the fact too that this sounds like another story so he probably heard the Sodom and Gomorrah story before and he was just like yeah all of a sudden because it's like I'm so hot all the dudes want to do it to me and I was like no I'm like here just take this woman and then like they was too outlandish with it because it's like even in this story that you're telling you're not a good guy you know what I mean but if you're fucked up in the head you might think you are so he was like well just so you know my host wouldn't you know have to have his daughter you know wild out I just went ahead because I was already you know like we had made up but we're still kind of beefing a little bit so I just sent my concubine out there and then when she showed back up I was like oh she's dead because I mean if this was your cherished wife concubine or whatever if she's been raped to death like it's a very bizarre impulse to want to chop her body up you know you're generally when people yeah. love someone and they die you keep them intact and bury them but to be like you know what i'm gonna use this bitch just use this body to send a message to israel about how like y'all been fucking up since we left egypt and so i get to attack you now sounds like levi was cunning cunning yeah i don't know about cunning but definitely evil well i mean there's, there's that too but um R.I.P. to this concubine who was slain for no fucking reason, man. Um, and for like the 25,000 people who had to die off of this, the Benjamites. Because even let's just say what? that this tribe, like there was like a gang of like Benjamites who did this to her, which to me is still doubtful. Like this isn't a proportionate response. This is like when the rape, remember the rape of Dinah? um vaguely yeah where israel's sons like basically like pillaged a village because they were like well one of y'all raped our sister so we're killing everybody because yeah they said they put everyone to the sword including the animals but and even, wasn't, of, wasn't even that more so like they just kind of wanted to do that like they didn't that's really, what i'm saying i think this is what this is too yeah. like he just been wanting to attack this and this was the pretense you know I don't know. Maybe, again, as I alluded to before, maybe it's just because I do try to be an understanding human being. Maybe this is how I'm wired. Maybe I've just had the privilege of being around a lot of women. Um, But, dude, like, and now, like, that I have little girls that I am a father figure to in some regards, like, and I have sisters, you know, like, and obviously, you know, I have mom and grandma and shit and aunties but it's like this is crazy like i just don't understand how we don't treat women with the respect that we may or should give to the women that are familial to us like i just it's weird to me man because that's somebody's sister that's somebody's daughter um i'm 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 not perfect at this you know, things happen in the moment, but never in the moment have I been like, ah, I'm going to rape this bitch. Like that has not been a thought of my, or like, you know, that's just never been a thought for me. So, um, well, you also, this is this a society wild. where I was just imagine if you had grown up where women are, you've been taught your entire life that women are inferior, that they're the cause of man's separation and downfall from God. Like, that is a lot of how people are taught about women. Um, so, yeah, um, I think they're, um, I think Bill Cosby is like a good example of that. I think that he's the type of person who, because the women that were in his life that he protected and loved, they adored him. But, like, I think he, he and a lot of other people are able to put women in different categories, which are women who deserve to be protected and hoes basically instead of just been like everybody everybody deserves to be protected like we shouldn't be we, we shouldn't treat some people like they're lesser just because we see them as sexual yeah which is again why i don't like the whole demonizing sex thing um i think it's absolutely disgusting what people try to do to meg the stallion um and how they tried to like drag her through the media for potentially or possibly sleeping with multiple men like who gives a fuck i don't give a fuck like yeah. i don't care and, and but it goes to me it goes back to just ego like they prefer which is the it's, a, it's a weird she couldn't say no they prefer that but it's also just weird 
because I think I saw a woman post this, and it it was just like you know, men be wanting basically their woman to be like a good girl essentially, but also they want her to be a slutty, but slutty, but only slutty for them. And like you know, if you had too many partners or any partners before me, then like that's somehow a fucking reflection of my man manhood, and that's just crazy to me. Like. It just I don't know. And I, I I'm a man, I'm susceptible to like some jealousy too. Just like anybody else. But I mean, I think this is shit we gotta continue to talk about and unpack, man. It's not healthy. It's not healthy fucking behavior to have, honestly. And I think it's not only is it not healthy, but it's just like it's miser it makes you miserable. Great. Like having have gone through so many different situations with women, that mentality of being jealous or feeling like I don't stack up to other men like it's just fucking exhausting. I don't I would much rather be surrounded by either a women who, you know, don't make me feel like that or b like unpack my ego and the bullshit that I have that makes me feel like that. Like question why? Like, actually, why the fuck do you feel like this? So I don't know. This is my two cents. You know, you don't, don't have to listen to me, but I think. We can do better. No, we have to listen to you because you have to read Judges 21. Oh, yep. All right. Let's get through this last one. Yeah. Uh, judges. And also, yeah, this will be the last of Judges. And then we're all moving on to Ruth. Yeah. So, oh, that's perfect for pride. Some hot girl on girl action. Naomi and Ruth were yeah. totally boning. This is the only one of the only two women that have their own book in the Bible, or is she the only one? No, there's Esther. Yeah, her name is not <laughs> hot. Um, it's better than Hadassah. That was her Jewish name. Oh no, Hadassah. Oh, that's sexy. You think Hadassah, Hadassah is sexy? Oh, yeah, that's a sexy. Okay, name. you probably would have liked. Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know Hadassah's like fucking. Wait, is Hadassah Ruth? No, Hadassah's Esther because Esther had to hide the fact that she was Jewish, so she chose Esther. That's her Persian name, but her Hebrew name, like uh, her people, you know, was Hadassah. Hadassah. Hadassah's, that's, that's fucking hard. That's hard. Okay. That's hard. That's hard. <laughs> that's <Okay>. hard. <laughs> uh, Judges 21, the Benjaminites saved from extinction. Now the Israelites have sworn at Mizpah, no one of us shall give his daughter in marriage to Benjamin. And the people came to Bethel and sat there until evening before God, and they lifted up their voices and wept bitterly. They said, O oh Lord, the God of Israel, why has it come to pass that today there should be one tribe lacking in Israel? On the next day, the people got up early and built an altar there and offered burnt offerings and sacrifices of well-being. Then the Israelites said, which of all the tribes of, the Isra of Israel did not come up in the assembly to the Lord? For a solemn oath had been taken concerning whoever did not come up to the Lord to mispass, saying, that one shall be put to death. But the Israelites had compassion for Benjamin, their kin, and said, One tribe is cut off from Israel to this day. What shall we do for wives for those who are left? Since we have sworn by the Lord that we will not give them any of our, any of our daughters as wives. Then they said, Is there anyone from the tribes of, the Is of Israel who did not come up to the Lord of Mizpah? It turned out that, not, that no one from Israel Jabesh Gilead had come to the camp to the assembly from for when the roll was called among the people not one of the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead was there so the congregation sent 12,000 soldiers there and commanded them go put the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead to the sword including the woman and the little ones this is what you shall do every male and every woman that has lain with the male you shall devote to destruction and they found among the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead 400 young virgins who had never slept with a man and brought them to the camp at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. Then the whole congregation sent word to the Benjaminites who were at the Rock of Rimen and proclaimed peace to them. Benjamin returned at that, and they gave them the women whom they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead, but they did not suffice for them. The people had compassion on Benjamin because the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. So the elders of the congregation said, what shall we do for the wives for those who are left? Since there are no women left in Benjamin, 
and they said there must be hairs for the survivors of Benjamin in order that a tribe may not be blotted out from Israel. Yet we cannot give any of our daughters to them as wives, for the Israelites had sworn cursed by anyone who gives a wife to Benjamin. So they said, look, the yearly festival of the Lord is taking place at Shiloh, which is north of Bethel, on the east of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem and south of Lebanon. And they instructed the Benjaminites, saying, Go and lie and wait in the vineyards, and watch. And when the young women of Shiloh come to out to dance in the, dan in the dances, then come out of the vineyards, and each of you carry off a wife for himself from the young women of Shiloh, and go to the land of Benjamin. Then if their fathers or their brothers come to complain to us, we will say to them, Be generous and allow us to have them, because we did not capture in a battle a wife for each man, but neither did you incur guilt by giving your daughters to them. The Benjaminites did so. They took wives for each of them from the dancers who they abducted. Then they went and returned to their territory and rebuilt the towns and lived in them. So the Israelites departed from there at the time by tribes and families, and they went out from there to their own territories. In those days, there was no king in Israel. All the people did was right in their own eyes. Yeah, Ooh. I did not like that either. Man, the women did not get any uh any say in this. No, no. Um, this would be <sighs> kidnapping. Yes, and once again, this is non-consensual sex, which can be categorized as rape. So everyone is, <sighs> I don't know, man. Like, so you killed all the women who's laying with a man. You should devote to destruction. And then there's 400 young virgins who've never slept with a man, which once again, how do we know this? Um, They're hymen. Sure. <laughs> um, and people had compassion on Benjamin. Be I mean, I don't know, man. This is just... I don't know if they're trying to make the case that they needed a king so they'd know that this is terrible, but I feel like the kings weren't much better. Um, it was like the kings were like, hey, women don't deserve to just be kidnapped and raped. They should have a say. That's not the narrative here. It's not the narrative, unfortunately. And it's because women traditionally cannot uh do what men can do but i guess it's biologically it, this is just saying like it's it's justified because it's keeping the benjamites from becoming extinct uh, i mean regardless i think it's ridiculous anything any situation where a person does not have a say in their own autonomy i don't i don't fuck with them it's just it's ridiculous yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't think we, um, like I said, I'm, I'm not a proponent of like we should just like burn all the Bibles. I think the Bible should exist as a historical document, but it's definitely not a moral one. Well, through all of this, I really, I don't know if this plan would backfire, um, but I think since I'm in multimedia and things like that and into filmmaking, I was thinking... How advantageous would it be if I started to make films that projected these not so known stories of the Bible? Oh yeah, unpopular Bible <laughs> and let, stories. And let people like kind of see like. I've always felt that way about doing a, a series of paintings about that, because usually you know most of art history, um, European art history, is a lot of it are biblical scenes. And for the most part, you know, it's like Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, everyone knows Michelangelo's David, the creation of Adam. But like I said, I don't remember any artwork about the Levite's concubine being all chopped up. Well, because I'm thinking like, one, can I even, is that even marketable? Like, would, would people... Would people even go see them? I mean, obviously, I would market it in a way that's like, hey, see the stories of the Bible that were not seen. And I mean, if you put you Bible know, I'm on sure anything. all the Christians would flock to it. I'm sure all the Christians would flock to it. But then the moment they get there and I'm shooting these, this, I don't know if grotesque is the word. I don't know. People love the Passion see, of Christ. Yeah, that's what I was supposed to say. If I make a film like that. 
but it's like you know women getting raped and chopped up and being like this is well this is a story in the bible i'm just you know i'm just showing it to you all you know then i don't know i don't know i don't know if that's too perverse i don't know if i feel like also it could has the potential to backfire not only because of the obvious reasons but also for the reasons we just said like you know i literally read the chat gpt interpretation and it's like it tries to spin it like this is a story that exists because they didn't have law and we're trying to show you that law was needed because they needed a king and just all that shit so i don't i don't know but i i think as much as we do this podcast visual representation is also very powerful maybe even more so because you know it's one thing to hear something it's another thing to see oh visual is way more powerful that's why people believe like the angels like whatever i won't even get into that but yeah please join us next time um reach out to us at the bible breakdown podcast at gmail.com um we're gonna read ruth actually i was gonna say um we could probably read all of ruth next time it's only four chapters oh damn okay (laughs) all right well we'll be reading one through four next yeah and um thanks for you know spending this time with us yeah thanks for tuning in and just being there we appreciate y'all some of you've been messaging us well mostly people trying to make money off of us but hey Hey. gotta start somewhere i know that's right all right well do you have any last words your body belongs to you so and uh oh go ahead oh so if you don't want to go to church you don't have to all right and i would just say get mental health therapy and my new saying be curious not judgmental that's a good one all right peace